And I want to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. Brother Mays, we love you. I want you to come. I, I mean it. I want you just to take your liberty and preach what you feel tonight. God bless you. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I will bless your name. I will bless your name. I will bless your name, God. I will exalt you. I will praise you. Uh, I will magnify you. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Ah, my, my. While you're praying, why don't you stretch forth your hand toward your pastor? Come on, let's pray for Brother Riggin right now in the name of Jesus. God, I believe you for it, God. I'm asking you, God, touch his body. Let him feel your divine touch, God. Oh, God, let him feel it right now in the name of Jesus. It's not by might or power. Woo! Oh, God, I'm believing you're going to touch him. I'm believing you're going to touch him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I will bless your name. I will bless your name. I will exalt you, God. I will praise you. I magnify you, God. I glorify you. Amen. I, I'm going to have to apologize to my wife and daughter. They're going to hear a message I preached this weekend, but I cannot get it off my mind. I, I don't know why, uh, but uh, if you would turn me to the book of Jude. Amen. I love you, Jesus, man. I'm thankful everyone's here. Amen. Praise God. Jude. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Starting at verse number one. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Somebody glad you're called today. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Amen. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Notice that Jude says it was needful for him to write to the church and exhort them, which means to encourage, to urge strongly, to give urgent or earnest advice. Uh-huh. Can I hear an amen? And uh, so... In other words, it was needful for Jude to insist that the church should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So, and if you, in my Bible, there's a little 
section there, it says when he wrote to earnestly contend, it says it means to passionately fight. To passionately fight. And it's from this single passage of Scripture that I want to preach to you from the subject, the contender. Amen. Let's just lift our hands and lift our voices. Amen. Let's ask God right now in Jesus' name. God, would you anoint me? I'm asking you, God, to anoint me in the Holy Ghost. God, I'm nothing without you. I can't even preach, God, unless you send the preacher. I'm asking you to send the preacher, God. Oh, Lord, I'm asking that you send the preacher, God. I need your power. I need your touch. Oh, God, I need you tonight. I need you tonight, God. I need you, God. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. God, you're a great, big, wonderful God. I love you, and I thank you, God. You've been good to me. You bless me, God. You bless me, God. Thank you, God. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Webster's defines contend as to compete, to strive after, to strive in combat, to fight, or to struggle for. To strive or vie in competition or rivalry, amen, or against difficulties. To hold to be a fact, to assert, especially against opposition. Another definition is to verbally strive in debate, to argue. Uh, the Greek word for contend, uh, as used in this scripture, means to struggle for. Uh, let me stop before I even get started and say there are still some things worth fighting for. In this age of compromise and diminishing of truth, there are still some things that are worth struggling for. There are some valuable principles given to us by a righteous and a holy God that even in this day and age are still worth striving for. Can I hear an amen? Oh, I love you, Jesus. There are some precious truths and precepts that we must not let slip from our grasp, but we must hold on to at any cost. In fact, Hebrews 2 and 1 cautions us, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. Oh, God, help me. And I just want to spend a few minutes talking about a few things that are still worth, amen, fighting for. First of all, our doctrine of one God is still worth fighting and contending for. Uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. 
and the word was made flesh. Let me skip down a few verses. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Ah, the glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Oh, somebody ought to praise him right now. Light is still shining in darkness, and darkness still can't comprehend. And that's why some folks cannot seem to grasp the truth. They are in darkness and cannot comprehend the light of this glorious gospel. And that's why in how 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7, state, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded. I said the God of this world has blinded them, amen, the minds of them who believe not. Let the light of this glorious gospel of Christ, oh God, should shine on them. For we preach not ourselves. Amen. And I'm not here. Man, I, I was still rejoicing over that message. Uh, the, 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 was it last Tuesday night? Amen. That uh, Brother Riggin preached. Oh, my God. Amen. From victim to victor. Amen. What a message. Amen. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that that the excellency of the power uh, may be of God and not of us. Those of us have received the light that shined out of darkness. We have been given the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And oh, what a treasure it is. Somebody ought to thank God for baptism in his name. Amen. You ought to thank God. Amen. Lord, you ought to thank God for salvation. There is salvation in no other, for there's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 state, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And verse 6 goes on to say, one God and Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in you all. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Those of us who have received a revelation of the mighty God in Christ have made up our mind we're going to earnestly contend for this truth. 1 Timothy 3.16 still says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. Seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world and received up into glory. Who was Jesus was. The Bible said without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. The Apostle Paul said there's no controversy. 
He said the mystery of godliness is without controversy. So there's need for discussion or dialogue. There's no need for that. It's already fixed. It's already settled. And the word of God leaves no doubt. There is only one God and his Jesus is his name. Somebody praise the name of the Lord right now. Revival is still worth contending for. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 says that God's still in the business of binding up the brokenhearted, proclaiming liberty to the captive, opening to the prison of those who are bound. In verse 3, amen, Isaiah states that God's still in the business of exchanging beauty for ashes. Man, I love that verse. The oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You want to get rid of heaviness, start praising him. Put on a garment of praise. Oh, somebody help me out now. God's still in the business of taking something old and making something new. For 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Amen. God still takes fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, perverts, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, drug addicts, revilers, extortioners, and he makes new creatures out of them. He still takes the scum of the earth and makes the salt of the earth. How do I know this? Because he did it for me. I read in... I read in 1 Corinthians 6 and 11, and such were, were, were some of you. I get excited when I read it. Such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. If anyone ought to want to earnestly contend to have revival, it's those of us who God has cleansed by the power of the Holy Ghost. If any one of us ought to know how to have revival, it's those of us who have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. So don't you dare try and tell me we can't have revival. Furthermore, don't you try and tell me we can't see a move of God in our services. Oh, help me, Jesus. I don't come to church expecting it denominationally. Yeah, denominationally, dead, dry service. I come expecting old-fashioned, hand-clapping, foot-stomping, aisle-running, tongue-talking, apostolic church service. Ooh, I would to God somebody run around the church now. I said I would to God somebody would get up out of your pew and run. Amen. Brother, you might want to give that to my wife or daughter. They're probably back there freezing. Amen. (laughs) Make them run. Okay. Run. Amen. (laughs) Man, I like that. (laughs) 
Where was I? <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. My, my. When I come to church, I want to earnestly contend to experience a powerful move of the Holy Ghost in whatever manner God chooses. I want you to understand any church group can assemble together and have dead church. But we need to purpose in the very depths of our spirit that we're going to have powerful church. Can I hear an amen? Give us someone in this assembly with the importunity of Jacob who will fight and struggle and say, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Give us someone, amen, in Pentecost who refuses to have dead, dry church. This world is sick of dead, dry, unemotional, unfeeling, fake church. People are sick of sitting on padded pews, listening to trees voice choirs, sing songs with no feeling and, uh, and hearing. So-called preachers just speak empty words with no anointing. God, give us the anointing. God, give, give us a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. God, help us to understand, amen, that we are the light of the world. We are the city that is set on a hill and that we have came in with a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and cloven tongues like as a fire. God, help our light to shine, the wind to still blow, and the fire of Pentecost to burn brighter and hotter than ever. I want to earnestly contend to see someone born of water and spirit. I want to come to church contending for miracle signs and wonders and deliverance of those that are in bondage. Oh, God, help us. God, help us to earnestly contend for no dead church. Look at somebody and say, no dead church. Holiness is still worth contending for. And if anyone ought to earnestly contend for holiness, it ought to be the apostolic church. Ah. Nowhere do I find in my Bible uh, where the instructions have changed. Uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, amen, admonished the Corinthian church uh, in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Uh, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Uh, and what communion hath light with darkness? Uh, and what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Uh, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols for ye are the temple of the living God and God has said I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters saith the Lord almighty He then proceeds on to 2 Corinthians 7 and 1 to say, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. 
Some of you need to understand that holiness is not an option or a suggestion. Holiness is a commandment. Let me repeat that. It's not an option or a suggestion. Holiness is a commandment. Hebrews 12, 14 plainly tells us, amen. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Some of you also need to understand that it's complete holiness. Holiness is not only the way we dress. You can have your sleeves past your, what do they call that, your wrist. And you can have, ladies, you can have your dresses dragging the ground. But I'm telling you, if you don't have holiness within. Because holiness is not only the way we dress, but it's also holiness in spirit and in attitude. And that holiness is still worth fighting for. David said in his prayer of repentance in Psalm 51 and 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I would to God that same prayer saturates our apostolic Pentecostal ranks. Create a clean heart of holiness and renew a right spirit of holiness within the apostolic church. Oh God, I'm gonna keep on contending for holiness because 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 clearly says, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. The doctrine of one God is still worth contending for. Revival is still worth contending for. Holiness is worth contending for. But while we are contending for all of these, man, there's so much more I could preach on holiness. I hate what's creeping into the church. God, I... I hmm. Let me just say... These leggings that are creeping in. I don't know how your pastor preaches, but. Man, I feel better now. But I'd still preach it. Rings creeping in. Oh God, I got to go on. Don't forget your soul is worth contending for. Your soul is worth contending for. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul instructs us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
The Apostle Paul is informing us that it's just our reasonable service to contend for the consecration and dedication of this fleshly temple. God help me. It's our reasonable service to live a life separated for God and abstain from sin. And if you think you're going to live for God without trouble, without trials, without any battles, and without earnestly contending for the faith, you are sadly mistaken because God Galatians 5, 17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that ye would. If you desire to live a life that is pleasing to God, and if you made up your mind to live for God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, there will be contention. Well, you can preach this because you never have any battles. Oh, God. That's why and how First Peter... 2.11 charges, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. It takes effort. It takes exertion. It takes struggle. It takes contending on your part if you're going to live for God victoriously. Let me, let me stop here for a moment. And say there are some that believe just because they prayed through 10, 15, 20, even 30 years ago that they're okay. And they don't have any battles to fight. They don't need to listen to the pastor because they think they got it all figured out. And when it comes to their personal life, their hobbies, the choices they make, and even their love life. They erroneously believe uh, what they do outside the church or behind closed doors is none of their pastor's or God's business. And I came to this pulpit tonight to refute that spirit of deception. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how smart you think you are. I don't care how long you've been living for God. You still need to submit yourself to the man of God, the word of God, and the spirit of God. And that ain't about right. That is right. You hear me. You still got to submit. My God, you still got to submit yourself to a pastor. God bless you, you can be seated. This message came about largely to a book I read many years ago. I never forgot it. It was a fictional account about a young black man by the name of Alfred Brooks who lived in the slums of Harlem in New York as part of the murky world of junkies, prostitutes, and thieves. 
I don't know what happened to the book. Uh, I, some time ago, I started looking for it again. But uh, some time back, I went to a bookstore, and it just so happened they had a copy of it. I bought it, and I read it again. I'm not going to take the time to relate the entire book to you in the course of this message. But what I want to do is pass on to you what the manager of the gym told Alfred in his response to Alfred telling him that he wanted to be a champion. His first response to Alfred was, everybody wants to be a champion, and most never make it. But before you can ever be a champion, you got to first learn how to be a contender. He then continued to tell Alfred, there's no place to hide in a boxing ring. You're all alone in there with another man who wants to hit you and hit you more times and harder than you hit him. So if you really want to be a fighter, this is what you're going to do. You're going to get up at 5 in the morning before the gas fumes foul the air and you're going to run. You're going to run to build up your legs and your wind. Uh, you run smooth and easy, uh, running a little faster and a little longer each day. Uh, you run every day, uh, rain or snow, unless you're too sick. Uh, amen. There are some things you absolutely do not do. No smoking, no drinking alcohol, no eating fried foods, no sweets, and no soda. After work... You come to the gym. Uh, you do your stretching exercises, jump ropes, sit-ups, push-ups, uh, deep knee bend, and the weights. Uh, you do them until you just can't do anymore, and then you start all over again. Uh, and then you go home and have a good dinner of meat, green vegetable, fresh salad, uh, milk, and fruit. Uh, you're in bed and asleep by 9 o'clock. Man, that sounds good. The sleep part. Amen. You'll do it for a week, maybe two. You'll feel a little better physically. But all your friends and your family are going to say you're a fool. You'll start looking around and seeing other people smoking, drinking, staying out late, eating anything they want. And you'll start to think you're a fool too. You'll say to yourself, all this sacrifice... And I'll probably never, ever get to be a fighter. You'll be right nine times out of ten. People will try to drag you down. Some will laugh at you for wanting to be a fighter. Others will tell you you're so good you don't need to train. To go to bed early or to make all that sacrifice. But if you really want to be a contender, that's exactly what you'll do. Anybody want to be a contender tonight? We were preaching in Eufaula, Oklahoma. Several years ago, I was preaching for your brother. And we were staying in the church parsonage. And I happened to notice that they had quite a large number of Reader's Digest magazines from several years back. I picked one up and began to thumb through it. And I happened to come across an interview that Reader's Digest had done with Joe Frazier, 
the black boxer who was later to become known as Smoking Joe Frazier. This particular article, this is going to tell you how far back it goes, is 1972. And the interview was conducted after he had defeated Cassius Clay, better known as Muhammad Ali, for the heavyweight champion. I wrote some of his comments down concerning the effort involved to become the heavyweight champion of the world. Listen to what he had to say. The thing is, you got to do your own road work. Nobody can do it for you. Everybody's got some kind of road work and preparation. Whether you're setting out to be a secretary, a lawyer, a nurse, or a salesman, if you don't have your road work done, nobody can help you. But if you have your road work done, everybody can help you. You can map out a flight, a fight plan, or a life plan. But when the action starts, it may not go the way you planned, and you're down to your reflexes, which means you're back to your training. And that's when the road work shows. If you cheated in the dark, you're going to be found out under the bright lights of the arena. I'm preaching to somebody tonight. And can I tell you that the conflict that we're engaged in has far more at stake than a boxing championship? The consequences are far more severe than just a championship title attached to your name. We are in a battle for our very soul and where we're going to spend eternity. Amen. It's either heaven or hell because there are no other alternatives. The opponent that we're fighting just doesn't want to defeat us. He wants to totally destroy you. In fact, 1 Peter 5 and 8 warns us, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. However, if you are born again, child of God, filled with the Holy Ghost, and if you have a Bible and know how to read it, you're equipped with a fight plan. For David said in Psalm 119.105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You have the word of God for your flight plan, your fight plan, and you have a pastor that God has placed in your life to help prepare you and teach you how to fight. You have a church that loves you, wants to see you make it, and is praying for you. You even have a God that said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. But when it's all said and done, it all comes down to the fact, honey, that you're the one that has to get a hold of some old-fashioned gut-wrenching desire to be a contender oh I love you I love you Jesus you're the one that's got to make up your mind like the songwriter Carol Magruder said before the first round started I said I'll fight until I win I might even get knocked down but I'll get up again I'll control the temple because I can't afford to lose I made up my mind I'm going to make it through musicians come amen you're the only one that can determine whether or not you're going to be a contender.
You see, your pastor can't be there to make sure you get out of bed in the morning and fall on your knees and you do your road work. Your pastor can't go to school with you with you, and make sure you're following the instructions of your flight plan. Oh God, your pastor can't go with you everywhere you go and make sure you're living within the guidelines, what you know to do and what you know not to do. Feel the Holy Ghost. Your pastor can't be with you in your home to make sure you're eating the right spiritual food and not eating the junk food that the devil offers. Your my God, your pastor can't be the one to make sure you make it a church house. You get the help and instruction you need that teaches you how to overcome the attacks of the enemy and enables you to become a contender. Your pastor can't be there looking over your shoulder. Make sure you're doing your spiritual exercises and you're doing what your flight plan instruction to do in uh, Jude 20 where we're directed but ye beloved uh, building up your most uh, yourself on your most holy faith uh, praying in the Holy Ghost you know the problem that some of you are having you want to be a champion you haven't even learned how to be a contender you want to get in the ring. You want the thrill of seeing your name under the lights, seeing your name on the marquee. But you don't know the first thing how to fight off the enemy because you won't even submit yourself to instruction in righteousness. A real contender listens to his manager and or pastor and he follows orders. A real contender doesn't try to skip out of his workout sessions when he's tired and doesn't feel like it because he knows that's when he needs it the most. A real contender knows the road to the crown has many battles and so he makes up my mind. I will focus on one. One battle at a time. A real contender knows that just one victory doesn't make him a champion. So he keeps on working and he keeps on fighting. He don't ever quit. A real contender knows he'll get knocked down. But he made up his mind to get back up and get back in the ring. He has one goal in mind. Rejoice not against me, O oh my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. A real contender knows the road to success. Amen. Comes through hard work, determination, and personal sacrifice. So they keep on preparing. They keep on practicing. And they keep on pressing toward the goal they set for themselves. I wonder, would you stand with me? I wonder if there's anyone in this place tonight ready to become a contender. I wonder if there's anyone ready to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Vision 6, verse number 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, 
against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you be able to withstand in that evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints I wonder if anyone would like to gather around and rededicate your life God I want to be a contender I want to be a contender I want to be a contender, God. I know I'm going to get knocked down. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to get back in the fight. I've got a goal in mind, heaven. I've got a goal in mind. I can't quit. I've got a goal in mind. I can't quit.